So yeah, my name is Eric, and uh, it is my privilege and responsibility to bring us the word today. So um, uh, I was just chatting with Phil before the service, but one of the challenges uh, I think I always face as a preacher, and he identified with, is um, when we preach a passage, like any passage of the Bible, but we're preaching Psalm 19 today, it's, um, it's always a concern of mine that I want to do this passage justice, you know. I want to faithfully bring it to us today. Um, I feel like especially today we're looking at what is a truly magnificent part of the Bible and um, so rich in what it teaches us. Um, I probably have a bit more, you know, I feel a bit more that weight of uh, responsibility and I, I tremble at the, the task before me, but with God's help, um, I'm, I trust we will all learn from today. So uh, shall we ask for his help now? And um, Father, I thank you that uh, you have given us uh, your word and your revelation through, throughout your creation and in the scriptures. And we pray, Lord, as we look at this beautiful psalm, Psalm 19, um, Lord, please give me the words to say to um, illuminate this passage to all of, our, all of us and our hearts. And Lord, we pray that you would indeed <coughs> revive our souls, enlighten our eyes, um, that we may see you and desire you and your word. And um, so... Please help us in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Psalm 19 is a psalm of David. Uh, I encourage any of you who don't have a Bible, if you'd like to follow along, it will help you. Uh, there's still some Bibles at the back. Uh, if you'd like to have one, please raise your hand. I'm sure one of our young members will run you a Bible if you like. Um, but yeah, we're looking at Psalm 19. It's a, it's a psalm of David, and this psalm uh, praises God for his twofold revelation to us um, through his revelation in creation, in fact, the heavens, <laughs> specifically looking at in, in this uh, psalm, but also in scripture. So uh, the psalm really, it, it has the first six verses talking and praising God for his, uh, his revelation to all humanity in, in nature. Um, then from verse 7 to 11, um, it switches entirely, doesn't give us much of a transition. It just, it, it just goes straight into praising God for the scriptures and his revelation to us in his word. Um, and then the final uh, three or four verses at the end from verse 12 to 14, that's three verses, um, it's, it's like a short little prayer that, the, that David adds at the end um, and just desiring to, to live his life uh, in a way that's pleasing to God. So, so that's sort of the outline of this psalm. And... Um, it's probably going to be a little bit of a different sermon today than usual. I'm, it may come across a little bit more like a, a, a lecture or a, an apologetics uh, info session as well. That's because this psalm is actually um, really key. It tackles the two key assumptions, the on, only two assumptions of the Christian faith. Um, uh, and, and that is that God exists and that he has spoken. So they are actually the only two assumptions that any believer in Christ has um, those things we, we will go. This psalm shows how God has evidenced Himself that, the, that He, in fact, is and He has spoken. And once you grasp that, the rest of what we need to know as a Christian is there in the Bible for us to read. The rest we just need to learn, ex exegete, and um, and grasp. So, so this this is foundational thinking uh, for a Christian. If we can get a firm foundation that God is. We, his evidence is clear through all that he's made, and he has spoken. The Bible is his word. If we grasp that, 
our faith is going to be rock solid and strong and we have then a hunger that can develop inside of us and grow to know him more and more through studying his word. So hopefully today, my prayer for my sermon today is that you guys, you guys, that sounds a bit casual, doesn't it? That we all as the people of God are strengthened and encouraged in who our God is and how he has revealed himself to us that we may desire to know him more. And um, so that's my, that's my prayer for the, for the message. Um, my personal connection to this psalm uh, existed long, long before. It's often the first opening verse. Um, probably many of you guys, you folks, you people, I'm going to have to watch myself. I might say that a bit. It's all good, Matt saying. Um, you know, you know I'm a lay preacher when you've got that coming at you, don't you? <laughs> um, many of you might have seen this verse with uh, a, a magnificent photo of the, uh, of the solar system, or not solar system, the, the galaxies or something. This is just a photo I took. Anyone can take a beautiful photo of God's creation, I reckon. Uh, he's the one that does the painting. And um, you see, uh, when, when I hear those opening words, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky proclaims his handiwork, this is what I us- usually comes to mind as a beautiful sunset or a starlit um, night. Um, you know, uh, th- th- those images are, are often portrayed with this verse. And um, uh, I've, al- I've always really, really liked that. It's a g- very grand opening. Um, the psalm also um, has uh, revealed to me uh, an, how incredibly precious the Bible is. It, later on, it talks about how, how more to be desired is it than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And so those verses have really, in my life, been influential in, in helping me desire more to study the scriptures. Um, and also, um, what, I, what I think has really helped me, and I'm hoping I can help you with today as well, this psalm, I think, contains a silver bullet for apologetics and for evangelism. Um, I say a silver bullet because it really is that. When it comes to um, discussing the existence of God, I, I spent a lot of time in agony trying to study the best arguments um, for talking with an atheist or an agnostic about why we can know that God exists. Um, and so I'll talk about that a bit more in depth later, but this psalm um, helps us with that too. So um, that's why this Psalm 19 is especially precious to me. And when there was four of us all preaching this series on the Psalms, when we were picking the Psalms, I knew I was coming at the end. I'm like, please, guys, don't pick Psalm 19. I want Psalm 19. And I watched, the, I watched all the other guys, the, 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 the options fell. I'm like, yes, I get Psalm 19 still. So I'm thrilled to be able to bring this Psalm to you today. So with that as an introduction, um, what if God had not revealed himself to us? What if God just made us, but gave us nothing? Gave us no clues about what is the meaning of life? How are we even here? Um, Some... uh, It's probably helpful for us to stay dwelling in that that, uh, concept for a while. Um, This is actually... There's actually a... Indian um, story that's often told when people are talking about what is the meaning of life or how can we understand what life is. And, you know, you, you talk to six, six different people and they give you six different answers about what life is and how do we know which one's true? And um, th- this Indian story has six blind men discovering an elephant. So, of course, they can't see that it's an elephant. And um, one person, he thinks it's an uh, elephant's like a spear because he's at the task and he thinks it's really sharp and pointy. That's what an elephant's like. And another one's at the trunk and saying, no, it's, it's not like a spirit, it's like a snake. 
Uh, one at the ears, like, no, it's not like a snake. You, you know, anyone can clearly see it's like a fan. He's a blind, but he, he thinks it's clear. Um, and so the one on the side, no, an elephant's like a wall. And another one says it's like a tree. Another one says it's like a rope because he's got his tail. And, um, you know, and, and they use this as an example to say, well, you know, everyone has their bit of stuff that's true. And if, if they put their heads together or something like that, we get a better idea. But it, it, it's actually, oh, good morning. Good to see you, mate. Um, it's, it's actually a way that um, people are uh, trying to demonstrate that basically all religions are true or something like that. And, you know, it's just you, you can mix them all together and they all create a picture. But I actually think as a Christian, we can clearly, we can depict this. If, if we are just guessing, we can't know anything for sure. Is an elephant like a rope or not? We can't know for sure. But if there's one who can see... If there's one who knows all and can tell us that, oh, you, you think an elephant's like a rope because you're holding its tail, and you think the elephant's like a tree because you're holding its leg, and you think it's like a wall because you're at the elephant's side, if there's someone who can see, if there's someone who understands and can show us why our experience is real in the in this big picture of things, um, that is what we need to be able to understand where life's at. So we actually we need someone who can see. We, see. we need someone who knows all that can explain to us what life's about. So we have these big questions. All, all humanity would generally have questions similar to this. I'll flick my page over. <coughs> um, where did we come from? What's the meaning of life? What's right and wrong? What happens when we die? What's wrong with our world? And uh, how can we be saved? And are we just left guessing in the dark? Is there any way we can actually even know these answers? If I come up with a different answer to someone else, how can I know if my answer is right or wrong or not, and their answer is right or wrong? Is there even answers? So if God had not revealed himself, we would just be left guessing. We need divine revelation as we need light. Um, so revelation uh, is actually right... It's, it's foundational and core. You know... Um, I worked at a school for 10 years, and I don't know, many of you probably still do go to school or, or work there, and they love value seminars um, at schools. They love to have someone come in and talk about um, not bullying, you know, but be kind to friends and that sort of thing. They love to teach about values and how we should be kind to one another because they know that values impact behaviours. And if you can get people valuing other people and, and not just being selfish, then they'll treat other people more kindly. But, you know... There's a bigger picture. You know, uh, unfortunately, secular humanism has got its feet firmly planted in thin air. You can't just have values on their own. People are valuable because we believe they're made in the image of God, our creator. Um, we are all precious. Uh, you know, we're, we are the capstone of God's creation. Christ died for every person on earth. We believe that deeply and that's why as Christians we value people and we love them and we want them to well, we just want to treat them with dignity and kind and share and be fair and all that but we want them to know our saviour as well don't we and so belief affects our value affects our behaviour but how do we know that we are precious or not how do we know that we're made in God's image how do we know that God loves us how do we know he died for us we need God's revelation so it actually starts with revelation we can't have these beliefs and values and behaviours without knowing who our God is and what he has done. That's where it begins. And when, when, we, when we grasp he has revealed himself, then 
things flow down the line, don't they? And, and you'll see in the scriptures all the time, you know, God always starts with the doctrines, the teaching, um, and because he knows when our hearts change, our behavior changes later. He doesn't want to just change our behavior. He, first, he changes our hearts and the behavior follows. So that said, let's, uh, let's try to get into the psalm, eh? So first of all, creation reveals that God exists. So the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Creation declares and proclaims day and night the glories of the Creator and His handiwork in every language to the ends of the earth. That's, isn't that a beautiful, wonderful reminder that God, He has not... He's not silent. We, we aren't just left guessing, hmm, is there a God or not? Um, the heavens are proclaiming it. The heavens alone, in fact, this psalm's looking at. All of creation proclaims it. Um, one of a be- there's a beautiful song by uh, Chris Tomlin, which many of you know, is called uh, Indescribable. And uh, that, that's uh, it's a, it's a song that I almost requested for the sermon today, except it's not on our church list, and it was a bit hard to talk to John about on his holiday. But, um, you know, from the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, your crea- creation is revealing your majesty. And it talks about the, the different facets of it. But, you know, this psalm alone, just looking at the heavens, the heavens alone proclaim to us sufficiently there is a creator. Now, we call this theological doctrine, uh, we'll be testing you all on this later, general revelation. So God revealing himself to na- in nature um, is general. It's everybody, all human beings across the world, have a sufficient knowledge of God. No matter their language, no matter their tongue, they know that God exists because creation proclaims it. It's noisy. You have to block your ears not to hear it, okay? That's what this psalm's saying. It's, it's, it's not just a whisper. It's a declaration. If we uh, also look at another passage, Romans 1. <clears throat> It, likewise, it, has, it shows us this, this same teaching. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Oh, I might actually put the underlined version there. They suppress the truth. For what can be known about God, it can be known, not just guessed at, it can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So this is where it comes to what I mentioned before as a silver bullet. There... I spent a long time trying to look for the best argument <laughs> to try to convince someone that God exists. And, and you know, they're like, oh, you, know, you, know, you show me, I can't see him. You know, if, if you can't see him, how do you know he's there? And do you know, this, this psalm clearly shows me that there is actually no such thing as a sincere atheist or agnostic. Just like our, our passage before um, is showing us, um, 
People are suppressing the truth. They are hiding from it. They are, it's a deliberate... People who do not want to acknowledge God, it's because they don't want to live their life accountable to him. It's a deliberate choice that they're making. Um, and I would also say, I think probably enough people grow up he- hearing that, you know, the, the questions um, from, from adults that are deliberate. They're probably, there's, there's probably also unhelpful teaching in our schools about life coming all from a big bang and an ac- accident that... Some people might get a little bit fuzzy, but God is saying, my, my um, creation is sufficient for you to know I'm here. And so this cha- when I grasped this, it really changed the way I engage with someone who says they're an atheist or an agnostic. Um, rather than trying to argue with them, it's a deliberate, they're not wanting to acknowledge it. And I realized I could just come to them and plead with them, look, you know that God's there. <laughs> I don't have to convince you. Creation actually proclaims he's there. Um, and you can't use this, you can't plead ignorance. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, you're not going to be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know you were there, so you know, I, how could I obey your law? Um, that's actually not going to stand up. There's only one plea that will stand up on Judgment Day. That is that I know that I am a guilty sinner, but Christ has died and risen again to pay the debt for my sin. That is the only plea that will stand. If we're, if we're saying, I didn't know you exist, God, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. We, everyone is accountable to him. Um, <clears throat> Romans 10, perhaps I won't, won't go into the detail, but Romans 10 also quotes verse 4 of this passage that says, um, there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. It goes out through all the world. You know, it, it reiterates that God has revealed himself to the whole world, to every language and tribe. And um, just as we can't see God, well, can anyone tell me, do you reckon this building we're in, did, did it just exist or did, do you reckon it's been built by someone? It's, you reckon it's been built, but did you see him? You can't see the builder. You can't, you know, you can't prove to me that there's a builder because you can't show me the builder. That, that's the arguments that people, atheists are using. They're saying, no, no, I don't believe, you can't show me the builder, there's no builder. We know we're in a building. This had a builder. Um, and we can look at an artwork, and we know that there was an artist. Um, we can easily recognize design just by seeing it. And we, we know that creation, in how intricate it is as well, it, it's a magnificent world that God's made. Um, we know that creation um, needed the creator. It can't just happen by random explosion and chance and time. So that's general, uh, general revelation. Remember that term? We've got to remember that term just to help us. I, when I, I did a year of Bible college, and I learned stuff at Bible college. And I thought, why don't we learn that at church? Everyone should know this stuff. Um, it's just really helpful. So that's why I'm giving you some of it today. So general revelation, everyone can see the existence of God in nature, but it's limited. There's only so much we can deduce um, about God through observing his creation. Um, Romans 1 talked about his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. We can, we can tell he's really, really powerful, he's really clever. Um, you know, he's almighty or whatever, uh, intelligent, a mastermind. We, we can also work out that he's immense, like how big is this world that he's made? He's like bigger than it, <laughs> or he fills it. Um, but, and, and he's glorious, but what's God like? Is he kind? Is he moody? Is he aloof or is he personal? Um, does he even care about us? Do we matter? 
what is the meaning of life still? It, our creation, we can't learn that just by looking at creation. Um, how does he want us to live? What happens after we die? How can we be saved? We still have these questions, and we can't learn that through general revelation. That's why we get to God has spoken. The Creator has spoken. <clears throat> Hebrews 1 verse 1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And it continues. So, theologically, we call this special revelation. Okay? Not everyone in the world has access to this special revelation. Um, now more than ever, the Bible is being translated into more and more languages. But God has established a testimony in Jacob and his people Israel and um, Christ has come, his son has come, and he has um, fulfilled uh, God's, God's plan in redemption, died, died and rose again, and now the gospel is going forth throughout all the earth. So this is his special revelation, and it shows us, where are we? Um, oh, I'm still on this slide. Um, we, we learn through God's special revelation, all those other specific questions, there's enough uh, the Bible is sufficient to teach us everything else we need to know that we need that as as people need to know to to be able to live a, a godly life and to be saved and um, even to answer our questions about suffering or whatever. It, it, who what is God like? The the Bible is God's special revelation is where we go to to learn about that. So let's getting back to our psalm now. <clears throat> we can see at verse seven here it changes from talking about nature to talking about. The law of the Lord is perfect. And uh, it has this, just like any psalm, it's poetry and it has these beautiful rhythms in it. <clears throat> in, in this next part, we get six different titles for the word of God. And the first one is the law of the Lord. <clears throat> now, bear in mind here, it's not just talking about the Ten Commandments of God or something like that. This, this word here is the Torah of the Lord. Um, and the Torah was the word that the Hebrew people, at the time, the, the only real proper canon of scripture they would have had is the first five books of Moses, which they called the Torah and the law. And um, so to say the law of the Lord, you know, it's very likely referring, well, I say likely, it's very much throughout all the Psalms referring to those books of Moses, the first five books, which aren't just law, they're talking about what God did in history, he made the world, he called Abraham, all those, all those different uh, parts of uh, the story, that's all part of the law. And you know, David as king of Israel, he had his own copy of the Torah. He had a personal Torah. We have a personal Bible today, and that is a privilege. Probably in Israel, David would have been the only person that had his own personal copy. The, the priests and that at the temple, they would have had copies in the temple that they would have used when they went to do their, their work and probably synagogues by the, uh, downtime. They didn't have a personal copy. David had, he was instructed in Deuteronomy 17, verse 18 and 19, um, he had to write down his own copy of the law. Every, all the kings of Israel would to write down their own a copy of the Torah, get it approved by the Levitical priests, and to read it every, uh, what's, what was it, all the days of their life. They were to read it all the days of their life. So, so David was actually someone in a situation like us. He had access to the Scriptures daily. And he, he's written this psalm. And he's got the access. He knows what it is to be able to read the Bible for himself. So he's saying, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Notice how they're all the, of the Lord's. 
This scripture, though written by men, is ultimately from God. It's all of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord probably in that list, when we, when we read through, we think, well, that's a bit out of place. It's not usually a term we, we would use referring to the scriptures. Um, where am I up to? Yep, that side of it. Um, but here it's actually, it is used objectively, referring to a body of knowledge that is about God in, in the scriptures, in, in keeping with the fact that we cannot actually fear God uh, without first knowing him. So, the fear of the Lord starts with knowing God, and this here, it is used in context here as, as a, um, another facet of the Scriptures and the rules of the Lord. So they're different titles it gives. It also gives us eight attributes of the Word of God. The, word, the, the Lord of the Lord is perfect. Testimony is sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. It endure, it's enduring forever. It's true and it's righteous altogether. What amazing attributes the Bible has, the scriptures, scriptures have. But then it gets even better, I think. Look at the effect it has in our lives if we are to study it and apply it. Reviving the soul, making wise even the simple. Do you know, wisdom is not a result of superior intellect. That's what the Bible here is clearly teaching. You can be as clever as you want, but you can make really foolish decisions if you don't acknowledge God as the, as the Lord of all. Um, you know, wisdom is indeed knowing how to make good choices. Even a simple person can do that. If they fear God, they know right from wrong, they pursue good and turn away from evil. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In another psalm, uh, Psalm 119, the psalmist writes... Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Psalm 119, the longest book of the Bible, is all about celebrating the preciousness of God's word. And, uh, you know, understanding more than our teachers. If we study God's word, we are able to... Um, graph so much that uh, gives us an advantage uh, in understanding our world that we live. So, making wiser simple, it rejoices the heart, it enlightens our eyes, and further down it says, by them is your servant warned. So we gain great warning. We can avoid hazards if we take heed of what God says. And in keeping God's commands, there is great reward. We would do well if we spend a lot of time dwelling on what God's Word can, uh, how it can change our lives and our hearts. It does indeed transform us. It's the living Word. It's not just a boring text. It, it will change our hearts. There are parts of it that are boring. Don't get me wrong. I reckon you know it's like the Bible's like a meal. It's got some pretty good steak and you know there's um, good spuds in there as well, probably mashed potato, but there's also Brussels sprouts in some places, I reckon, but, you know, we still need them, apparently. You know, it's good for us. So, and, and as a whole, it teaches what we need to know. Um, but, you know, it does good, it does amazing things for us as we um, study and, and grow in our understanding of it. So, no wonder David then concludes, more to be desired 
are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Hopefully we're salivating a bit over the word of God, you know, let's, let's, let's study it, eh? I know this, this message very much challenges me as much as, as you. Um, I can become so complacent and forget how precious it is we have God's word at our access. Um, Matthew 4, um, Jesus, when he's being tempted by Satan, he's, he's actually quoting Deuteronomy 8, uh, verse 3, and he says, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need God's word. We need it. It is so valuable and precious. And then he concludes at the end with what I'll call a prayer to live a life pleasing to God. Um, He says, Declare me innocent from hidden faults and and keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Those obvious ones as well. And, And that reminds us that we know in our lives, sometimes we violate God's law, consci- law consciously. Like We actually sin knowing that that was wrong. But sometimes we even do wrong things we don't even know. We later on discover, oh, that, was, that wasn't right. <laughs> um, and you know, here the psalmist, uh, David, is, he's, he's recognizing this. And he's like, God, help me um, not make those errors too. Help me to uh, uh, avoid both. You know, let sin not have dominion over me. Sin is fleeting and it will destroy us. It's like a trap that we can't get out of if we're, if we're stuck in it. And God can free us from that by his spirit, um, by his power when, when we're born again, um, but also through confessing and forsaking it, asking God for his help. Um, it won't have dominion over us. Praise God, we can live free. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then... Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a beautiful prayer. When we, when we recognize who God is, um, how precious his word is, you know, then it's God, may our lives, our words, our thoughts, God knows our thoughts, may, may they be acceptable in your sight, Lord my rock and my redeemer. So would you join with me in a prayer as we pray that for ourselves individually and thank him for his revelation to us. So Lord God, we do praise you for revealing yourself to us. I praise you that you revealed yourself to the whole world, Lord, in your magnificent creation. Thank you for the beauties, the intricacies of it all. The immenseness of it all, it's just, it's staggering. And just the, uh, the wonder of what is life, what is, how are things able to, how are beings able to live and reproduce and things, you've, you've made it all happen. Uh, we praise you for your creation and we pray that as we see it in our lives, we would give you the glory for what you have done. Thank you that you didn't leave us in the dark, though, about all those other questions we have in life. Thank you that you have revealed yourself in your word, your precious word. We ask, Lord, that we would hunger and thirst for it. Please, Lord, also grant us the understanding of it, 
We know that your spirit in our hearts helps us in that. And we thank you that uh, as, we, as we study, you promise that um, it will bear fruit. So help us to treasure it and study it, Lord. May our hearts hunger and thirst for them, and indeed for you who we learn about and come to know. May we treasure it above other pleasures and wealth of this world. And uh, thank you for our time here today in your word, and um, pray that your, the things that would uh, benefit people would remain in their hearts as we, as we move ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.